0: Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I am so excited because my resilience course that I created is live and available for everybody to take. I'm so excited. I created a whole platform for a membership group and I included this eight module resilience course that is all geared to get you back, to take back your power. It's all the wonderful resilience tools that I learned through all my education, but then also the real-time resilience things that I needed when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction. So I am so thrilled. I want you to come and join us and take this course, take the program, join the membership because it is so good and I'm so proud of it. There's so much in there. There's a live life happy cafe, there's yoga classes, there's meditation. The whole entire resilience course is an eight-month module course that's going to walk you through, um, being able to take back your power. It's a life enhancing curriculum that I'm so proud of. And I do not want you to struggle alone. I don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. I want to help get you back. And I am on a mission to do that. And I'm so thrilled because this platform, our community of other people, individuals, um, are there for you. We're, we have such a beautiful, supportive community over Over at our private Facebook group. So now, if you haven't joined the private Facebook group, be sure to look it up Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction, and come and join us. There's so many amazing, I was gonna say women, but we do have some men in there too. We have an amazing community of wonderfully loving people. So, Go to my website and check all this out because I just launched it. It's like in its beta stage. So it's at a discounted price right now. And just to get people in, test out the systems and everything like that. And you can get membership for a whole entire year that actually includes the signature SYKM resilience course. So I invite you to check out the website at savingyouiskillingme.com. And I just would really, really love to help you and just help you build back your power a Awaken your inner power, tap into your resilience and, and just be able to struggle well. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into this session. You're going to love the guest here coming today. And she is sharing her story of strength and resilience. So without further ado. Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have an awesome guest on the show today and I know that you're going to get a lot out of this conversation and she is a girl after my own heart. We're here on a mission to help people who love someone or have loved someone and then lost someone to addiction. So we are here for you and our main message, we have this joint uh, kind of vision together, of you don't need to struggle alone. And that's what this whole podcast is about. And I'm so excited because she has her own podcast as well. And you're going to want to go check it out. And I'm so happy to have you on the show, Katie and Elsie El- Elise, you like to go by a different oh. funny name. So sh- yes. I don't know how I should be in introducing you. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Katie on the podcast. As you alluded to, for the first two years that we had the podcast, we were under aliases. Uh, so I am Elise on the podcast. Um I am a mom. I've been with my husband now, who is the person who uh with substance use disorder. I've been with him for 15 years now. Um, we have a home and we both just kind of do our own thing as parents of young children. <laughs> Uh, Amazing.
0: So I just want to honor the fact that you did feel the need to create an alias because I have to full disclosure, I was contemplating when I was publishing my book, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction am I going to put an alias name on this? Like I was so scared to put my name associated with it because I felt a degree of shame. I felt almost like embarrassed that I went through it. I also felt like, is it going to come back to the person that I was with or, you know, all these things And I made sure I didn't slander him in my book. I didn't like, you know, throw him under the bus in any way, but I had that energy of shame. So, and I think that this is very, very common. And I think this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. So can you, speak to that?
1: Yeah. So my husband's drug of choice is heroin and pills. And so he was using, um, for a long time. And it was a secret addiction. And so, you know, to speak to the shame part, um, even saying the word heroin, uh, people kind of shy away from right now. And, um, you know, as I've just kind of gone on this journey, I feel that words carry so much power. And so the more I say it and the more I get, um, our message out there, um, it has lost kind of the power that it used to hold over me to be so shameful. Um, I've said many times that I believe wholeheartedly that this is a disease. And so why would I be ashamed? If my husband had cancer, I would not be ashamed to tell people my husband had cancer. And so why why am I ashamed to tell people that my husband has the disease of substance use disorder?
0: Yes, I know. And it's it's so common to have that those emotions. And if you're listening and you feel have these feelings of shame, um, it's not a matter of shortcoming. because That's what the energy of shame is, is that we feel like there's a shortcoming or that, mm-hmm. you know, that we haven't done something properly or we just feel like, you know, that emotion of shame that. Um, and so you bring it up so clearly that um, it's different when it comes to addiction. Right. There's a stigma around it. And. Right. Um, and it's almost like it's a hidden, it's hidden and it's so different than any right. other disease. Um, so I think that you're, you've hit the nail on the head there is that I find that with addiction, it's messier, it's uglier. It's not quite, it's because like, you know, when someone has diabetes, they're not necessarily going in your wallet and stealing your money to go spend it on yes. drugs. They're not like coming home at like five in the morning, you know, they're not, I did it and I could go on forever. Right.
1: <laughs> yes, correct. So, and, I, and I think kind of to a point that you just said a moment ago. Um, so whatever, they're the addict, but why I'm sober or I'm a normal person. Why am I staying with this person who is stealing out of my wallet, who is missing for hours or days on end? Like people, like I was so afraid that people would think I'm stupid for staying with my husband. Like I can get out, I can leave. Um, before at right that I found out that he had the addiction cause it was a secret addiction. Um, I could have left, I didn't have children. So it would have been a very clean break essentially. So, Yeah
0: my gosh. And I think that that feeling of embarrassment um, or humiliation, I felt so, I remember even saying to myself, how could I be so stupid? Mm -hmm. If I was a fly on the wall watching this relationship, it'd be like, what are you doing, Andrea? Like, what are you doing staying in this? And I, yet again and again, like, you know, we go through that cycle. I'd be like, oh, love bombing. I promise it's going to get better. And in my case, um, you know, I'm no longer obviously with this person and they've removed themselves from And I I always think that it's a blessing in disguise that he disappeared out of our life, like literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but there was a huge amount of shame for me around this whole idea of, did I fail this relationship? Um, here I am. And like, cause I was in a, I've been divorced before this, this guy. And then here I am another nine years later, like I'm in another failed relationship. So there was more than that. There was energy about shame, about that, about failed relationships, almost embarrassment of what's going on and humiliation. So let's jump into that feeling. Cause I'm sure I'm not alone in this feeling. And I know you mm-hmm. experienced it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was so, there's a lot of isolation that goes on with this as well. And I think it all, it's all connected. Um, So, you know, you stop talking to friends, you stop going to friends' houses. Now, in my case, my husband's uh, drug of choice was heroin. So he was nodding out, but I thought he was just falling asleep when we were going to friends' houses, Um, you know, Uh, whenever we would drink, you know, early twenties, you know, we're drinking, going to parties. My husband would take it to a new level where he's like falling on his face or um, Mm. just kind of just doing more like really drunk things than a typical drunk person might be doing. And so the humiliation of making up the excuses and trying to tell everyone like, oh, he's just tired from work. Oh, we've been working in the yard all day. And people are like, these puzzle pieces are not making sense. And so then you just kind of start, it's just way easier to just start being alone and just not going out and doing anything or doing things by yourself. And then just making up lies of what your partner might be doing. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I so did that so many times, like where
0: he was like asleep on the couch and he didn't want to come to like a wedding or he didn't want to come mm-hmm. to a family function or he just couldn't, you know, cause he had binged all weekend or whatever yeah. it is. It's like, yeah, making up those excuses, it's, it's exhausting and you're embarrassed. Yes. Yeah. So true. Now, I know in your situation and my situation as well, it was a hidden addiction for many, Mm -hmm. many years until he just couldn't hide it anymore. And I didn't know what we were dealing with. I thought it was the depression or just like, you know, bipolar, or maybe it was like, I was trying to diagnose and chronic sinus infection. His drug of choice was cocaine and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I honestly was blindsided when I found out, when I finally found out, what I was dealing with, like, I'd be like, what are you kidding me? Like, this is what he's been doing. And his one friend, thank goodness, um, who was in treatment. And, um, he actually was the one that told me, says, no, Andrea, he's doing it a lot and probably three to four times a week. And when you go away on business, he's binging the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I was like, my mouth was dropped open and just that I was blindsided. So, I, I was so almost shameful, embarrassed with myself, that how did I not see this?
1: Yeah. And so did you have similar emotions like that? Absolutely. Um, I think when I start to share and tell my stories, people are like, Katie, you're a smart person. Like, how is this not in like slapping you in the face that something's wrong? I mean, money was going stolen and it's like, kind of the gaslighting of like, no, you went to McDonald's and and you spent all this money. And it's like, I I don't remember, but maybe. Um, And then, you know, I came home one day and I came home earlier than I was supposed to. And I saw him snorting a white line off of a, you know, one of those tray TV tables. And I was like, what's this? And he was like, it's Tylenol. I have a headache and it's it's I crushed it up so it would get to my brain faster I believed it because really it kind of makes sense um but that's like it wasn't Tylenol that I saw him snorting um and so you know I think another thing um that was so you know in one of my support groups that I was in you know it isn't like and probably the same in your relationship. It didn't go from zero to a hundred. I mean, it was just a slow, gradual buildup where if you would have been doing the crazy stuff when we got together, I would have been out, but it was just this slow, gradual buildup. And you've been in this relationship. Like I'd been in the relationship for nine years before I realized like we had been married for three years at this point. And, um, really the thing that kind of set it off was I had a friend and we went to a, a, a bar and he went outside and, I went outside to get him because we were playing darts. It was his turn, and he was gone. Well, my friend had caught him, saw him, whatever buying drugs from somebody outside, and he was like, "Katie, something's up." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And like again, money, more money was being stolen. Now, yeah. now we're getting into a lot of car accidents. So what? the puzzle pieces started to fall, and then for us, it went very, very quickly at the end because it was. I mean, I was packing the bags. I mean there was overdoses all the time like it got bad quick
0: yeah and oh my gosh my heart for you i i know i know very like I know a lot of that turmoil and struggle, so I can relate on many, many levels, but still, I'm just really sorry that, you know, that you had to go through that. And I understand that, that feeling of being blindsided. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also I love the way you bring that up. Cause some people might think like, how am I so stupid? I'm putting up with this. It's like, but just give yourself some self-compassion. Cause the reality is you're so right, Katie, it's a progression. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to take a snapshot right now and you started dating this person with how they're treating you now, it'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Like, are you kidding me right now? Right. You don't even show up for dinner. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, so I, I, I really want to reiterate that fact that yes, you're right. It's a gradual decline. And sometimes it's just, it's gradual. So it takes time for you even to realize what's going on. And then yeah, you're, you're suddenly it. what, it almost makes all sense in hindsight, looking back, like, wow, that is really what was going on. Absolutely. And it's a nice Eureka actually, once you find out, but like then you got to process all of that information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: So what was particularly challenging for you loving someone with an addiction or still is perhaps?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, towards the the end, and again, when I still didn't know, we had stopped talking. He would get home from work two hours before me. I'd come home. He'd be passed out on the couch. Um, so we just, for the past couple, end of that period, we weren't talking. Like he was so mean. Uh, the drugs were number one. And so he was uh, just awful and nasty. And when I would try to snoop, it would be this big blow up of, Rawr, you know, yes. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, you're the crazy, crazy one. Oh my God, that is like a trigger word for me. Like, yeah. nobody can call me crazy right now. Are man. you crazy? Oh my God, yeah, that was awful. Here. Yeah. And so, and trust, I think the biggest thing that was so difficult was the trust was broken. Trust for everything. I thought you were going to the grocery store. You were going to buy drugs. Like I thought everything you can, you can name anything. So trust was at zero. And so that has been something, um, that I get asked most often is like, how did you stay? Why did you stay? How could you stay with someone who did all of these awful things? Um, and I think in the beginning, like you're just so beat down and you're like, what is even going on? Yeah. Um, but I knew that this person existed. When we started dating, I knew he was a wonderful man. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to see what happens. Um, and thankfully he was willing to put on the work on his side. Like we both had to work on ourselves. Um, but the trust for me took years to get back. And it was just really, really slow. Unfortunately, (laughs) like really slow.
0: Oh my gosh! I just want to also celebrate the fact that you're bringing this to light because a lot of people, even in our support group, they say, "Should I stay? Should I go?" Or like, and I remember thinking that so many times too. And you bring up such an a remarkable piece that keeps us hanging on and keeps us there. It's this idea of hope, or mm. we're clinging to that person that we fell in love with. We know I used to say to him, I like, "Are is Matt in there? Like, are you in mm. there somewhere? Like, where are you?" And so um, I think that it's amazing how we hope that person is going to come back it's like they're i know they're in there somewhere and we're like hopeful and just mm-hmm. pray and wish and that's a really hard piece and i i enjoy that you're bringing the perspective of my perspective is i'm no longer in that relationship you are in that relationship and and what a you know a, a lot of people that's only what they
1: could wish for is that their their partners would be in recovery Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that, you know, I don't know the statistics of it's a 50, 50 split. Would you figure out your part? I have no idea. Um, but it's just, um, he had to put in the work. Like we both had to work very, very hard. And so I could not work on his sobriety harder than he was. And that as a control freak, Because I think a lot of people, you're trying to take control, trying to control the situation, walk on eggshells. If I do this, he'll do this, you know, that type of thing. Um, So I think um, for me, that was... why I stayed and my, the other two women, um, they separated a couple of times who I'm on the podcast with, um, and their partners have been kind of up and down in the relapses, which is typical. I'm very thankful that my husband just had a couple of relapses in the beginning. Um, but what a, what a difficult decision to make to split, you know, I I think a lot of people think it's difficult to say, I think it's so difficult to leave like on your side as well. Like it's just so different. and, And I'm so fascinated by that as well.
0: And we all do what's right at every given moment. So there's no right or wrong answer in that. And it's like, it's what, what you're feeling in your heart, keeping yourself safe at the same time. And like really looking at your own personal situation, nobody can answer that for you, whether Mm -hmm. you should stay or go. And, um, or we can't answer the question. Are they going to stay, you know, are they going to stay in sobriety? Like we just don't have those answers. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so I'm curious then, like you are vibrant, you are, you know, you're in such a great place now. And I always ask my, my clients, you know, how did you take back your power?
1: Absolutely. So for me, support groups, um connecting with people who understand what I'm going through. Uh, so that saved me in individual counseling. So I think those three things um, help me on my path to becoming Katie again and not just kind of this broken down, beat up woman. And so I feel more confident than I have ever felt. And now, especially coming out with my full name and my story, like there's just nothing. Like I have nothing to hide. I am fully, truly myself. Like I am a wide open book because life is messy. Life is weird. And like, let's go through this together. Like I don't have to do this alone. And I'm so glad I didn't. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy to connect with this community because there's wonderful, wonderful people who some really terrible things have happened to. And I want to walk that path with anybody. Oh my gosh. It's so
0: beautiful. Yes. So definitely support, support, support. We cannot do this alone. And that is, that is our message 100%. And then I love this idea too, about reaching out for people who've gone through the same thing. We could reach out to support for like a best friend or mm-hmm. a parent, but the reality is no one really understands what you're going through. than people who have gone through it themselves, they've been Absolutely. in the muck, they've been on in that quicksand. Um, and so it's really, really, I think that's such a great, great advice. I'm so so thankful that it helped you and that you had the courage to reach out to groups as well and um and i this other piece of nothing to hide and if you're listening today and you're feeling you know sometimes people come to our we have meetups uh, and sometimes people show up and their cameras are off like they they don't even you know and, and that's okay that's 100 okay but um this idea of shame like i wish that i could literally take that away from you know all the listeners or take it away from people because there's nothing to hide like this is a really really hard situation to navigate and um and just like you you know changing your name and me not sure of putting my, like my face behind all of this but what's most important right now is to recognize and it's sad there are so many people that love someone with addiction or mm-hmm. substance use disorder there are so many people out there and that you're not alone and that there's no shame in that
1: no no. And, and, also their, their, it's their actions, right? So their actions aren't a reflection of you. And so I think also having that in the back of my mind that like he did what he did, but like my side of the street is clean. Like I didn't steal money. Like I didn't yeah. uh, do all these bad things. Like I'm a good person. And, and Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: That is a nugget, Katie. My side of the street is clean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we forget, we get pulled into the muck of that. It's like, actually, you know what? There's no shame here. I'm doing the best I can with this situation. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the way that you said it, I had to get Katie back. I like, you have Katie back now. Um, I love that. Cause I often said that I'd look at myself in the mirror when I was in the muck and I'd like, feel like I lost my sparkle. I looked like I aged. I wasn't sleeping. I lost like 15 pounds and I'm already small. And so it was just like, Oh my gosh. It's like, where did Andrea go? Like, where did her sparkle go? Like, how have I let this, you know, and there was shame around that. So I think that Mm -hmm. that moment that you're like, I just can't do this anymore. And then just taking back your power one day at a time. And so is there anything else that you can recommend that kind of helps you when you're, when you're in the muck of it kind of slowly, but surely bring
1: you back? So this one is even hard for me to this day is like reach out for help, like being vulnerable enough to say, I need help. I think is like one of the most powerful things that anyone can do. Um, Because I think people genuinely want to help one another. Um, But if you're just like, Hey, how's your day? Oh, I'm fine. You know, if you don't really connect with someone like, and say like, Oh, your grass looks great today. And it's like, no, I'm going through a lot. Like, you know, my husband just went to rehab. My kids are at home. My bank account is at negative 50. I am just having a terrible day today. I just think asking for help is um, such a big, powerful thing.
0: And part of that, I love that so much. Part of that also, like you're saying is connecting like to the humanness of that. We all have struggles. People put on those brave faces. They put on the the personas on Facebook that everything's wonderful, but we all, everyone is struggling with something like there's something like, like, you know, life isn't always sunshine and butterflies. So I really, really value that advice is to reach out for help and don't be shy to ask for help. It's like, that is, we're almost too proud. And yes. and to, and what's coming up for me too that you bring so vividly is this idea that you know you think that um, there's a stereotype around who, who would be doing drugs and who would you know become have an addiction and yes. but the reality is, is it can happen to any of us. You could be like the CEO of like you know I'm just picking a company in the air. Yes. Right? is literally it can happen and does happen to anyone. Anyone in any career does not discriminate. And so if you are in a position where you are blindsided by someone's addiction or that the behavior of someone when they have substance use disorder, you need to ask for help you need to reach out you cannot we're not meant we're not meant to be isolated we're not meant to be alone and i love that you bring this up that the one of the best things to get you back is to reach out for help and be okay with expressing
1: vulnerability oh my gosh that's beautiful and it takes a village you know, my husband love him. He's not my end all be all like I'm, I'm with him for a reason, but I have friends. I have different pockets of friends that fulfill different buckets for me. And so I'm a huge believer and it takes a, a village for just life in general.
0: Okay. So now if someone's listening, they're thinking, I don't have a village. Like, how do I develop this? Like, do you have any suggestions
1: for that? Katie? So I think what's so wonderful today is um, you and I. We don't we don't live near one another, and so the internet, while it can be a really awful thing, it can also be a very beautiful thing. Um, you could probably find anybody with any type of um, like that you have. Like there can be connections. Anywhere. Also, you know, if you are going through someone with addiction, your local treatment centers can also help you point you in the right direction. Like I was connected to the women um, that I'm with because of the treatment center. And, you know, they walk in like, Hey, Katie's a wife get her number because you need to call her because um, there's going to be relapses and there's going to be hard times. Uh, So you need to have somebody's phone number um, to to call. And so there's right now the online Zooming for Al-Anon, Naranon, whatever it may be. Um, There are things that you can get to uh, virtually that maybe you couldn't have um, earlier. Yes. And now,
0: so you talk all about recovering too. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I love it. That's, isn't that, that's the name of your website as well.
1: Yes. So recovering too. So our podcast is boy problems podcast. Um, boy problems is the street name for <laughs> heroin, which is, uh, not a lot of people know.
0: Um, oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that because not a lot of people
1: will know that you're right. No. And people think it's like a relationship podcast. So, um, I mean, it, it, it is about our relationships, but boy is heroin on the street. So Oh, geez. So that's
0: learned, that. Yes. Just um, learned something new. I thought I knew a lot about it. Yes. it's <laughs> good.
1: Yes. Yes. And so, um, so Boy Problems Podcast, so the three of us women, we are sharing our experiences as walking the path to recovery. Thankfully, right now, all three of our partners are on a path to recovery, which is wonderful, um, but there have definitely been some ups and downs in the two years that we've been doing uh, the podcast. And then recovering too. Um, The idea behind that is to show people that like, like the family, like there's one of my husband, but there's like six or eight of us that are also recovering around him. And so I am also in my recovery of getting myself back. And, and so everybody is recovering also is kind of the idea behind our community that we're trying to create.
0: Oh, I love
1: that. Yes.
0: And again, no shame around it. Like I used to think like, I remember sometimes I would have people comment on some of my posts when I was in the muck of things and just looking for support. And occasionally I would get a comment and it would be like, work your recovery. Like you have an addiction. And I was, I started to remember thinking, stop telling me I have an addiction. Like I don't have an addiction. I remember getting so frustrated in that it's mm-hmm. like work your recovery girl. And I'm like, I'm not the one with the problem here. And I remember being so frustrated about that verbiage, but now of course I do understand that, yes, we are affected by addiction. And then what happens is we do need recovery ourselves, but it's not necessarily that we actually have, um, like, an addiction ourselves and and then some people, I, I, and I, I think I'm on a mission to kind of change that language because it it sort of bothers me. Like you, you're addicted to your addict. I'm like, uh, no, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But of course, codependency and all those oh, things. Yes. For sure. Oh, so I love that because it is a positive spin. And you're right. For every one person with an addiction, there are so many people around them that are affected by that addiction. And I always say that sometimes they that we are suffering a little bit more, even because we're not numbing the pain. Like we're just experiencing
1: the pain. Yes. That that's one of the worst things is like he doesn't remember all of the awfulness, but I saw it in real life in front of my face, the awfulness. And he has the, I say sometimes benefit of forgetting it all. Ooh, yes.
0: So, oh my gosh, you've been so helpful. I'm just curious if there was one more thing that you wanted to share with the listeners, what would it be?
1: I think, um, you're not alone. Like that was like the worst feeling in the whole world. And just please feel connected. Please reach out to Andrea. You have so much wonderfulness on your website and everything that you do is amazing. Like hopefully people can just find a community that they feel safe and comfortable in, and you're not alone and you don't have to do it alone. And, um, you know, we we can band together and, and get through it. Yes,
0: yes and yes. Awesome. Thank you so much Katie. I know people are going to want to get a hold of you. You offer a whole host of support as well and you specialize in yes, the community where they are you're loving someone with a heroin addiction. However, you can support so many. It's like, you know, so many people in so many ways. So people are going to benefit from your podcast for sure as well. So yes. I will put all your links in the show notes and make sure people can get a hold of you and I'm so grateful and thankful for you being here on the show today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for
0: listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me Loving Someone with an Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. Of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.